0: I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. I am so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have Jeremy Adelman, who is the founder of Artise.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for being here. So, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So, I love the name of the podcast, Beauty Bosses. I always feel like I work for everyone, and it's almost like, how do I make the best possible experience happen? It's by really actively listening and participating. So... I feel really lucky to be here. and Yeah, out. the
0: listeners are the bosses. It's oh. not us. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm we're, just here, gonna, we're here to serve. <laughs> we're we're working for you guys. Um, okay, amazing. Well, I'm so excited to have you here because I love your beautiful line of products. Um, and I want you to tell us a little bit about what Artiste is.
1: Sure, definitely. Um, just changing the way that people put on beauty products. And use them it's all about better beauty by experience and you know when someone you know when I grew up it was always it hurts to be beautiful and doesn't have to and I think what we've always done is realize sometimes you know sitting in perfect audience of the biggest organ on our body is our skin how do we treat it better how do we make sure that we're doing everything possible to enjoy the experience get amazing results and figure out how to make the process actually enjoyable
0: very nice Although sometimes beauty does hurt, like with surgery and injectable treatments, but I guess that's different.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think it's the whole point is how do you enhance it? How do you make sure people feel comfortable? Yeah. And I think a big thing for me is fear. Growing up, always feeling I had to do something, oh, become a doctor. That wasn't my bag. So Oh, I went really? To, so I went into banking. That was the alternative. And I focused on, you know, selling companies, buying companies, and restructuring them with focus in beauty. Personal care, so that was kind of got got my like taste buds going about. Oh, I see all these visionaries doing something. How do I do it?
0: When you were in banking, was there one particular beauty company that caught your eye where you felt like this company is doing something right?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, there's one big company that I mean, not to name names, but I guess we need you to have rise. to
0: name names.
1: The okay. biggest change, the biggest <laughs> change point, the biggest change point for me was on a company uh, named Philosophy. Mm -hmm. and realizing the market. Everyone thought they owned a piece of the company, even if they weren't direct shareholders. They always felt like, whether it was the customers, whether it was the retailers, whether it was the suppliers, when I was selling that company, everyone thought, okay, I made my mark, something's owed to me. And I think that's one way to look at it. It's very easy in life to go really negative. It's not that hard to go positive. So how do you figure out, okay, how do you make sure everyone feels like they were rewarded positively? And I think that's something I really learned how to do. And working in banking, I kind of, the blueprint. Mm-hmm. But I knew it wasn't my life's goal. I knew I wanted to break off on my own and figure out, oh, how could I do this? And back to my what I said initially, fear. It's so scary to do something. Oh, what are people going to think of me? How much money am I going to lose? Um, what, am I going to be a failure? And I think for me, it was a big life-changing experience that actually was impetus for me to say, okay, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to believe myself and do it.
0: Well, that's really cool. I was reading that... Um, Matthew Waitsmith, right, brought originally brought you the concept of RT, so totally. you saw the potential right away. Because let's just take everyone back to this point in time where people were not interested in makeup brushes. You know, they that was just like the little piece of plastic that was an afterthought that came with your eyeshadow palette mm-hmm. or your you know lip gloss palette. It was a gift
1: with purchase, and it's it was zero, a, yeah. zero value. People thought of it had no value whatsoever. Yeah. it was just like. It's so funny you say that because when Matthew showed me this concept, I fell in love. I saw it right away. I already knew that this was something that, again, it wasn't that complicated. It was almost something that was already available in nature. I was always watching my mom or girlfriends put on makeup, and it was always a struggle. Why does it be a struggle? It was almost like visualizing as a man... They had, put, they had to look in the mirror and look at the reverse reflection. Nothing was ergonomically created to actually put on product. Whether it was skincare, whether it was makeup, whether it was sunscreen, how do you know how it was going on? Especially skincare products. With makeup, you can see really clearly if something is not blended properly. With skincare, people spend, as you know best, hundreds of dollars. They don't know whether they got more on their forehead, their left cheek, or right nose. Like, It's about making sure the whole application process is better than when you started.
0: And then when you launched this line in 2014, you launched with an e-commerce storefront and just a handful of random just, earned media.
1: Yeah, just one electronic storefront, our, our little website. And, and now, how did that go? At first, it was, you know, watching. Watching the clock, say like, okay, who's going to order first? Mm-hmm. It was definitely me. <laughs> but how do you get the momentum? It was totally a snowball effect. The early adopters saw us right away. Whether it was from top retailers like Net-A-Porter, New Marcus, or just even suppliers, publications were like, Oh my God, this is something new. This is something that's gonna really be a paradigm shift for how people put on their products, how they feel about doing it. So, you know, we went from one storefront, I think five years over a thousand you know, stores you know, globally. So it's been quite a growth trajectory. How
0: long did it take for you guys to be in the black and kind of recoup your initial investment? Cause I read somewhere you spent your life savings on this. Yeah, so it's,
1: it's back, going back to, I saw something special with Matthew. And my wife Lee, who's general manager owner, saw something in me. So we put all our funds up against this. I mean, I saved a lot of money, was judicious about it, and literally every dollar and then some, I put into this company. Meaning that I raised money not the traditional route of going funding from like round one, round two. It was all fa- friends and family. So it's interesting. They invested in me. I invested a in contact, and I wanted to deliver. So going back to your point, when we're in the black over the last five years with Artisa Design products, we've sold over $50 million MSRP of product and we're continuing to grow. So as an innovator, we've never stopped at what's the black or the red. I mean, yes, people are gonna get mad at me saying that, but it's my fiduciary responsibility, but it's always about enhancing what we do. How can we be an innovative company if we're gonna worry about the cost that's sold and how we're gonna impact the end user? I mean, I think that's never held us up. I think that's what changed. I think even right now, we're only at the tip of the iceberg. I think I've drank the Kool-Aid, so I think everyone has our product. Mm-hmm. But right now, out of the 200 plus you know, citizens in the US of like, let's say 10% are makeup wearers or beauty wearers, we're only at like a thousandth of a percent. So the sky's the limit, it's just about how we're gonna get there. In terms of numbers, I'm always thinking about beauty business, you know, if we increase our sales by one product per store per week, I mean that could be millions of dollars a year. So how do we do that? How do we change the consumer behavior to say, okay, I'm not gonna expect this with my eyeshadow. I'm not gonna expect this to be given to me. I'm gonna realize that it's a really important part of the equation, not only the makeup, but putting it on. I think that was the whole, the whole thing that I, like, when Matthew spoke to me, it was like, these conventional brushes, they were paint brushes. If you're looking at a canvas and putting that makeup on a canvas, it was really easy to put it when you're kind of directly, as an extension of your hand, when you're kind of, like I said earlier, reverse reflection. It's really difficult to put on that product. So that was the first thing. The second thing is makeup brushes are usually made with animal hair. Think about animal animals in the environment, the hair is used for two things to protect them and to keep them warm. So it's to trap the outside elements, not to let it go. So you have to see all these people using picking up product and lots and lots of product, and you guess you're selling a lot of makeup with that, but it's actually getting stuck in the fiber bundle. It's actually not going on. So our products keep but it. But it's not, a good not
0: fix. that hygienic either, right?
1: Well, 1 in 10 people are allergic to animal hair. And the biggest story, it's going to be hard to hear, but I would go up to all my girlfriends and say, oh, your, your makeup looks great today. And say, oh, that's great. How often do you wash your face? And they look at me like twice a day. Oh, when's the last time you washed your makeup brush? And they would cringe. And that night they'd go home, throw them all into a sink or to a tub, and wash them. And it was like the first time, talking about hygienic, it's like the first time they've done that in months.
0: yeah. I think that that's something that I always think about from the medical side of makeup brushes, that the makeup brush can be one of the dirtiest things that you've got going on. It's sort of like, imagine if you slept on the same pillowcase for weeks and months without washing it. All of the embedded sebaceous tissue and skin cells and all of that stuff, it's kind of gross.
1: Worse than that, it's like a hotel that doesn't clean there. It's like, how many hands have touched? How many hands have you touched? Like it's laying on your counter. Yeah. It's exposed to all these elements. How you,
0: how, what, so for people listening out there, what, no matter what kind of makeup brushes you use, what is your recommendation for how people should be cleaning their makeup Every brushes? Every
1: time. It seems like it's, it's funny for me to say that too because we have two kids, me and my wife, and so we're always cutting steps out of the process. That's something you can't cut out because it's about the routine. It's the muscle memory. It's the behavioral patterns of actually making sure you do it. Because otherwise, oh, I do it this time. I'll do it tomorrow. Oh, I didn't do it tomorrow. I'll do it next weekend's. You're cleaning something
0: yeah it's, it's like, like you have to wash your hands every time you go to the bathroom yeah. too it's like if you do something that requires cleanliness you've got to wash your hands
1: these are your key orifices your eyes your ears your mouth it's like you know, i'm not scientific about it but it just it makes sense so everything i'm doing right now or everything we're doing right now is to really take consideration about how to enhance the experience how to make the results better and how to feel good about doing it again so i think yeah it's, it's shocking to me the biggest the light bulb went off for me back when I started the company when I would go into all these boardrooms, mostly with men, and they'd, you know, be wearing a nice tie or nice cufflinks or have really nice pen. And I would say, oh my God, that's a great pen. Where do you get it? And they'd tell me the whole history of their son gave it to them, or daughter, and I'd say, oh, that's great. You do me a favor. Let's do a test. Let's, you know, I'll give you two pieces of paper, draw one face just looking at it, and draw the other in like time of 30 seconds. They're so competitive. People are so competitive so they'd drive in 30 seconds and I, they would draw it and I'd watch them I'd say okay time's up i like oh that's great you've got two eyes you've got a nose you've got a clef you know um, let's do it again and they would be so geared up to do it and they said this time what I'm going to have you do is hold the paper up get to your chest and I'd have a mirror that i show in front of them I was like draw the same picture and if that's impossible how would you do that but I would coax them along and I would time them and I'd do it and the results were very different the eye would be over to the left side the mouth would be completely disjointed and I said, I poked them up next to each other. I was like, that's what your your wife, your daughter, your friend has to do every single day. The label went off, the checks came out, and they're like, I want to invest in this. And that was kind of the the banker in me who said, Okay, we really have something here. But, you know, that's not what helped stop me, was not dollars and cents because the capital expenditure actually creating this product is really expensive.
0: Yeah, what can people expect if they're trying to start a company like this? Like, are you um, comfortable sharing any numbers or information for our listeners about what does it take if you're trying to get investments from your friends and family and your own bank account I would like s- if you're cracking open the piggy bank what does it mean to start a company like this Well
1: first off you have to believe in it
0: mm-hmm.
1: so before you go to um, OPM other people's money <laughs> really feel comfortable with using your own money again I very thankful all the friends and family I would suggest really kind of taking a look at it, making sure you don't slow down, but making sure you have the financial wherewithal to do it. Because what happens is if you're gonna cut corners, it's like not putting the foundation on right. You're gonna cut the foundation when you are building the house and it all collapses. So make sure you really do have the finances. Make sure, you, it's, a, it's, a com, it's a careful combination of time, money, creating luck, and putting it all into action at once. So believe in yourself, talk to people who have done it, um, be active listeners. Because everyone, I mean, for me, too, what I've learned is if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. So I always surround myself with people who are much smarter than me in whatever they did, especially my wife, especially Matthew, and figure out how to really take what they've done and to really create value off of it. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's what helped me.
0: How many employees do you have at RTS?
1: Um About 20 and growing. And growing. I mean, we've got, I don't want to say killer, we have a killer team. It's amazing. I'm, like, always, like, surprised and delighted by what they're doing and how doing it so I feel very lucky was
0: there ever a moment where you felt like it wasn't going to work out yes like what no
1: it's it's interesting so five years five plus years been doing this Um, every quarter felt like a year Um, it's not paycheck to paycheck but it's really defying the odds and taking those risks and like not getting stuck on the finish of something or like small things but like making sure that like you took that next step that next risk and I think you have to be really comfortable taking risks to do it
0: where do you make your brushes?
1: Right now, we make them in Asia, and you know we figure out how to actually create jobs here, create jobs there, and you know make it a global company with a, a message that really appeals to all.
0: What were the most important brand partners for you in terms of? I know you started with your single retail storefront. Is that still your most important? E-commerce site, or are there other brand partners that you think have been really instrumental for you? No, I can't answer that question that's it. <laughs> Choose which one of your children you like yeah, the exactly. best. exactly. <laughs> well, that's fine too. Like, <laughs> Put it on record. <laughs> I, have two, I have two kids now. I think you have
1: a lot of kids. I have six kids, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, I think before my kids, this was my first baby, so it was really like figuring out how to make everyone happy, and that is impossible. I think that's the exhausting thing, and you have to realize. I mean, the reality is it could all be like lovely to hear, and how do you articulate the message so everyone wins? But there's gonna be ways where like not everyone's gonna be happy. Um, but there's a big thing to do it's like making sure you understand why they're not happy. Growing up, I mean, in this generation, it was oh, the status quo of making everyone happy, and how do you do that? And I realized that was only self fulfilling, it wasn't fulfilling the end goals that we were trying to develop. And I, I just realized, I mean, the key thing right now is our customer again it's a really easy thing i mean i can say that without like you know burning any bridges but that's the people who keep us alive and our customer hopefully is everyone hopefully that's you hopefully that's the listeners hopefully there's people who realize like there's there's a reason why we're doing something because we could have very easily gone seasonal or trend-based and came out with the next hot color and we didn't do that we were more focused about the technology the design the engineering of our product to make sure that we kept reaching higher and better. And it could be, again, it's not about the quick buck. If that was it, then we wouldn't be doing what we're doing. And uh, I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm like so, I'm so excited about what's next too. I mean, when Lee, my wife, joined, I was like, okay, this was going okay. Um, You know, I had a good plateau. And she just invigorated me. She motivated me. Like with her her having her second kid, as a man, I'm like, I'm not carrying a child. How can I how can I add value personally and professionally? And when she went on maternity leave, I got right back into it and I realized the amazing team that she created and I've never been so motivated and excited about what's next.
0: That's amazing. Well, I'm so excited about your story and where can people learn more about you and follow your progress?
1: They can go our Instagram handle, Artistbrush. Brush. Um, they can go to our website, com. They can go to many retailers um the net a the nordstrom the Saks, um boutique stores and soon we'll be everywhere hopefully we're gonna be in everyone's bathroom soon enough
0: okay and maybe on a vanity near you uh, well <laughs> like thank you line. so much for being here awesome. and this You're was up. really fun and um i can't wait to see what you have in store next great